announcer. Um, she is our prayer ministry leader. She's a member of our executive team. Um, she's powerful in prayer, and she loves Jesus. Uh, so please give a warm, warm, warm ARC welcome to Nancy Liao. people talking back at me if you, if you guys have ever listened to recordings literally everyone will text me the next day I heard you in the background <laughs> so, so I like that I'm the annoying person that talks at the theater so don't sit next to me in the movies I'll be like talking to like why did you do that anyways <laughs> um, I'm going to be speaking about his mission as prayer so I'm gonna do I'm gonna pray to open us um, Lord, I pray that I would speak only what you want me to speak. And I pray that even if I fail, that everyone would hear what you want them to hear. Lord, I ask for you to pour out your spirit. And God, that you would help us to understand this mystery of prayer and intercession. Um, pray that, God, you would use me to, to speak in truth and in love. Um, and I thank you for the great privilege that we have um, to intercede just as you are Jesus. It says that you are intercession for us. So, Lord, I thank you uh, that you've modeled and you've taught us what that is. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, so I have all these notes. We'll see if I end up following them. Um, I'm going to start. I'm going to just say that what I want to paint a picture for us, first of all, with respect to, I'm going to start here, uh, with respect to, like, storytelling, and then get to, like, why intercession? Why do we have to pray? And then practically, how do we effectively intercede? Um, so I'll have to warn you that in the beginning, it might sound a little bleak, um, but that's not where we want to stay. <laughs> um, intercession is, um, intercession is, like I was saying earlier, it's a privilege. It is a joy, actually. And if to effectively intercede after praying, we should feel actually better uh, and more hopeful and, and not more burdened, actually. Um, so... Sometimes uh, when I'm reading the Bible, I love the Bible, because, uh, <laughs> like, I mean, we're, some of us are going through the series of, like, going through the Bible in a year, and even though I've, I've read it, um, I'm, like, reading it, and it's like, why did I not see this before? But what, sometimes I ask questions, right? I'm sure you guys do, too, when you're reading, um, and I think about, like, the names of God, right? Like, because he has so many different names, and he's referred to so many things, and the names reflect his character, Right, that reflect who he is. And one of the names he has is the Lord of hosts. Right? What hosts, what? Because he talks about angels, but he also talks about hosts, which are they're different things actually. I, although I think maybe angels might be a subset of hosts, I'm not sure. Um, but essentially, like there's different ways to interpret that interpret that. And in some translations, host means armies of angels. Um, or it's just a large body, a mass of beings that are basically have one purpose, united for one cause, will move quickly out with one direction. Um, so clearly there's something there about the Lord having like an army for some reason. Um, and so I, and I think, well, why is that important, God? Um, and so taking a step back, I want to bring us to actually, um, I'm not going to post this right now, but essentially the fact that, like it or not, we are in the middle of a war. 
Uh, I'm not talking about natural stuff, by the way, because intercession is spiritual in nature, right? And so what I'm going to be talking about is stuff that you, we essentially cannot see. Like, I don't go around seeing, I don't really see, I don't see angels and demons. I think most of us probably don't. Um, but we are in the middle of a war, whether we recognize it or not, and it's, it's just the way it is. And the reason why we are in the middle of a war is because there are two kingdoms at work, right? There's the kingdom of God, hallelujah, uh, it's going to, we're here, our purpose, we're here to pray and make heaven on earth. Jesus is coming back to rule and reign. Thank you, Lord. Come quickly. Not too quickly. Um, um, have mercy on us. <laughs> um, there's another kingdom though, right? Satan. He also wants dominion. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> he also wants dominion. Um, and so actually, I'm going to take us to a couple strip scriptures that will, these are the ones that I refer to the most when it respects to intercession, and I'll uh, go into them in more depth. But if you could post, first one I have, I think, is Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. All right, cool. So you can either read it through your e-Bible or your actual hard copy Bible, or read it here, but there's a lot here. So this is an exhortation from Paul, I believe. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I'll say it again. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. I'm going to read that again because all is said four times here. Whenever there's a repetition in the Bible, that means something. So it says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. That's a lot. Uh, there's, no, there's no room there for misinterpretation. All is all. <laughs> Not like sometimes when you feel like it. Sometimes when I feel good, sometimes when I wake up on the right side of the bed, I'm going to pray. No, it's like all times. All prayer and petition. All perseverance for all the saints. Um, the second scripture I want to take us to is 2 Corinthians 10. Um, and it's sort of reemphasizing the point that uh, we just read through in Ephesians. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So here it's pretty clear when we talk about intercession. By the way, intercession is um, it's essentially you pray, praying for other people, or it could be cities, nations, things, who are either unwilling or unable to pray for themselves. Um, and I'll unpack that a little bit more later. So we're making intercession, we're praying. It is 
it is a tool, a weapon of warfare. Because, again, there is a battle going on right, right now that we're in the middle of. We don't see. Um, and our weapon of warfare, um, it's not of flesh and blood. It is spiritual in nature. Um, because the battle is taking place in the unseen realm. Um, and the reason why that matters is because that realm impacts this realm. And, you know, there, just because we don't see it means that it doesn't impact us. Um, I think the danger and what happens is that because we don't see it, we think we can ignore it, or we think it has no influence, no power. Maybe we think um, some, or maybe we, we just, yeah, we don't think there's any power to it, maybe. Uh, that's not real. Um, but the Bible says, right, the things that are unseen, those things are eternal. And it says the things that are seen are temporal, right? So what I'm hoping to do here is to kind of shift our perspective. In my mind, I've been asking God, Lord, make eternity, make the unseen more real to me, actually, than what I see and touch and experience every day. I want heaven and the heavens, I want the unseen to be more real to me, because that's actually where I'm going to spend most of my life, <laughs> right? That's, I mean, this... One, this is an interesting way to think about it. I love it. So Misty Edwards is like my spirit animal worship leader. <laughs> she, like, um, she explains it this way, and I, and I love the way she explains it, um, that like this earth, she's like, we are in this earth, our physical bodies, we're like almost, you could think of it as a womb, right? Like it's so interesting because a lot of the times uh, the world and what I guess I was taught to is, you know, you want to prepare for retirement, like the end goal is to retire well and to live a, a good life, which is, I'm not saying that's not important, by the way. But it only gets me to think about maybe my 80, 90 years here versus the infinite, endless, immeasurable number of years after all that. Um, and so she talks about this earth, think of it as being a womb. And when, I think in First John it says, like when he, when, when he says, um, beloved, it is not yet known what we shall be. It makes me think of that like, I don't know yet who I'm actually really going to be. Like, and everything I do right now, everything that we're being prepared for right now is not so I can have a good retirement. It's not so I can have a great 401k, make sure my kids get into a good school, blah, blah. It's, it's so that I'm being prepared for the life that I will live, like the, my real life, actually. So anyways, my exhortation, what I'm hoping, one of the things I'm hoping to accomplish out of this is that we that heaven and the things unseen become more real to us, and we live with that truly eternity in our hearts. So now back to this. So there are two kingdoms again, right? So there's God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. And um, to be clear also, the devil is not like God's equal enemy. It's not like God versus Satan. They're equal. They're peers. No, they're not. <laughs> there is no one like our God. He alone is God. There's none like him. He's the only one that uncreated being, the only one, who, the omega, the alpha omega, Satan is actually our adverse adversary, right? It, it talks about um, somewhere in the scripture. I'm ma not making this up. <laughs> he, it says, I literally have like 10 pages of scripture, but I'm not going to do that to you guys. But, um, but it's, it, it, talk, it says like your adversary, the devil, talking to us, like my adversary, right? But I'm not afraid because he who's in me is greater than he who's in this world. And that's true for all of you, too. So, anyway, so, again, why this matters is that we have a role to play. Again, there's two kingdoms at war. And the goal is, let me back up. So, I guess I went back and I was like, okay, Lord, so the two kingdoms at hand, they're battling. What are they battling for? Why does this matter? And what does it matter that we take our place? Why does it matter that we intercede? 
Um, so I'm going to take us actually back to the garden, right? Um, and in Genesis 1, God said, let us make man in our image. I was asking God, like, God, why does it matter, right? Like, I mean, it, it, actually in Isaiah, I, can't, I think it's Isaiah 50, I can't remember the scripture, but it talks about, like, God is basically grieved because he sees injustice all over the land um, in Israel. And he sees just poverty, injustice, um, oppression, like truth being perverted, and he's just grieving and pouring out his heart. And then he says, I looked, uh, I looked and there was no one. I was astonished, and I didn't see anyone to intercede. But then the next line, it says, God says that, so then I rose up with my mighty arm, and I exacted vengeance, right? So in the end, it's like, God is grieved, but then it's like, but I will do what I will, right? So it's like, well, God, if you're going to do what you want to do, like, why do I have a part to play in it, right? Like, why? But the reason, so back to Genesis, God said, when he created man and woman, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. That's important. I'll come back to that. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, over the birds in the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Um, and God says, he continues with the whole, like, behold, I've given you every plant, yielding seed, uh, etc. He's basically, he's, like, bestowing all this thing. Like, I've given it to you to have dominion. And so one thing to understand when it says that God made us in his image, it's not just talking, he's not just saying he made us, like, in form, like he made us male and female, or, like, by character or attribute. Um, like, oh, there are certain attributes, like, of God the Father, or, like, um, the Holy Spirit that we can see in male and female, like that's not exactly the full picture. It, what it also means is that God made us um, in his likeness in respect to function. So he made us like him to be, you can think of it as like we are being like him, but also we do like him, right? Meaning that he, when he blessed Adam and Eve and he gave them dominion, the goal was to spread the glory of God over all the earth right? It's, it's interesting because God didn't give. I asked God, I was like, God, you could have just given like the whole earth to Adam and Eve, right? But he gave them a little plot like a garden. And then he said, go forth and subdue the rest of the earth, <laughs> right? So from the beginning, the goal was to, to spread, to multiply, to demonstrate the glory and the goodness of God over all the earth, um, right? It started off, it was starting in a garden. And they were going to go to all the earth and, and rule over things with justice, with love, as God would do, to be and to do like God, um, right? Bon day, you know, the first day Satan comes, and he's like, and what does he do, right? His goal is like, no, God, I don't want you to have any of that. I want that. Um, and so it says, right, in the description of Satan, I, I like joke that Satan's stupid, but actually he's not really stupid. He's sort of stupid. It says that he was more clever than all the other serpents or the other animals in the garden, so saying smart, right, meaning that it would, be really, it would be really easy if we knew that we were in a war. Not easy. It would be, uh, we'd be more easy to convince or we'd understand we were in a war if we knew there was a war, right? It was very obvious. But usually how Satan works is that it's not very obvious, right? He'll take something that's really good and true um, and pervert it just, just a little, just a little, right? Like in the garden, he asks Eve, like, did God really say that if you ate like this, you would die, or that you would be like him? And it's like, if 
maybe they had paused for a second, they would have been like, excuse me, I am like God. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, if maybe Eve had thought, like, wait a second, I am like God. What are you trying to say? But he just slips that little question in there. Did, he, did God really say that? And, she, and then just caught, like, wait, did he say that? Wait a second, right? Causing, driving a little bit of a wedge, perverting the truth, right? And that's what say it's so it tricks us to think, like, is there really an unseen? No. Like, what we have here, like, live for the now, right? All the mantras, like, carp diem, seize the day. You don't have, YOLO, whatever, right? Like, you only live once. I'm like, well, that is true. Like, <laughs> you only live once, <laughs> that's true. Um, but just pervert a little bit, right, so that we don't understand that we are in the, our role and our authority and what we're here for, which the charge is essentially the same, right? We want heaven on earth. That hasn't changed. It's a little more difficult now, that's all. Um, but the goal, again, was to fill the earth with the glory of God, with his goodness, to rule over it, not the way that we see it done now, Right now, it's because things have been perverted because there's an injustice everywhere, right? And how we quote unquote rule over the land, but that's not the way God intended. Um, so again, the charge is the same: that we desire to fill the land with the goodness and glory of God. And I want you to understand one more thing about Satan's character. Not only is he quote unquote clever by by tricking us and things, it also this is from Jesus's mouth. Um, and when he describes the devil and his nature, and I want you to be aware not to focus on it and not to get caught up in it, but it's also, doesn't, it's also not right to completely ignore it, but just to be aware of it, that's all. Um, in John 8, 44, Jesus says, um, when describing uh, the devil, he was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And I want, when I was reading this, it just stood out to me how he's not just someone who, the devil is not just someone who's trying to kill. He is a killer. He's not just trying to just lie here and there. He is a liar. That is his nature. And so, right, like, I, I think when we think of war sometimes, war can be like one of those words that uh, has a lot of baggage to it because of how we see it played out like in our lives. That's not the war I'm talking about talking about the war, like eternal war that has been going on since we were, before we were born. The war that if we don't, and Jesus wins, <laughs> like he wins, but we want to help him win as many people as possible. Um, but if we're not aware of the fact, this is not a war where you need to have sympathy for the other side. This is not a war where um, there is a gray area, honestly. Sometimes, right, in the world, like, we don't know, like, what side is wrong or right. Maybe there are always, quote-unquote, two sides to the story. And this, this is not the case here. Um, we don't need to be compassionate or sympathetic to a, the, the murderer and father of all lies, who's honestly, his whole goal, and he doesn't care how he does it, is to separate us from God and to separate everybody on this earth, the earth itself, from God. In every area... All he wants to do is to separate everything from God. And it says, like, even, cre- even creation. I've been, like, on this, like, environmental kick lately, and I'm totally not one of those people. Like, I'm like, but lately I've just been so, like, consumed with, like, the environment. Like, my thoughts are, I've been praying for the environment. Because it says, <laughs> somebody's like, oh, Berkeley, yeah, Berkeley. <laughs> um, because it even says, like, all, like, like, I'm so glad that Bethany read First uh, Colossians. All things were made 
through him and for him. And it also says, like in Romans, that all created things, all creation, it reveals the nature of God. And like we're just, and I just see what's happening, and my heart is just so grieved because I'm like, we're just, this is supposed to reflect and was supposed to point people to God, and instead it's become a, a source of like war, uh, oppression, injustice. Like, anyways, yeah, yeah. Anyways, my point with that is saying that the enemy, his whole goal, and it's it's something that it's right to be angry about. We can have, we can be righteously angry. Not all anger is bad. <laughs> There is, you can have righteous anger because this is wrong, what the enemy's doing. It's wrong, it's wicked. Um, and all he cares about is how to separate me, you, everyone we know around us, our coworkers, our family, our friends, the earth itself from God. That's all he cares about because he wants the glory. Um, so, sorry, again, I guess I said this is weighty, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to leave us there. <laughs> um, so this is why, why intercession is important. Because intercession, again, when we're in speaking, intercession is, by the way, not just something reserved for, like, women and mothers and the saints before us. Like, <laughs> intercession, right, is the duty of every single believer, right? We go back to Ephesians, what I read earlier. It says, like, pray at all times with all perseverance for all the saints. And all, like, it's, it didn't just separate, you know, like, the more elite, whatever, intercessors from the ones who are not, whatever. It's like, it says, basically, you're saved into it. You got to pray. You're saved into it. You got to intercede. It's an obligation. Um, but it's not a heavy one, though, because we can, we're praying with the authority and with the victory of Christ, right? We're not trying to, like, make up fancy words and, like, evoke some kind of spirit and invoke some kind of power. Like, that power, it lives, exists in us, right? The Holy Spirit resides in us. Um, so it's not a burden or it's not something that it's like, oh, it's so difficult and I'm on the losing side. Like, no, we're on the victorious side. We're on the winning side. Um, and the reason why it's important, intercession to, as prayer, why it's so key is, again, if we're in, made in the likeness of God, in the image of God, and we're doers like God, he spoke the world into being. There's power in communication. Um, and you could say, like, oh, well, God knows my thoughts. Well, I mean, that's true, but then he, why did he make us to talk? Then? <laughs> like, why did he create us to speak? And it's because there's, when speaking the word, there's something that says, like, his word does not return to him void. There's a creative power to his word. That's why it says the power of life and death are in the tongue. We can create, we can build up, or we can tear down. We can curse or we can bless. We can release, we can bind. There's a lot of things we can do with the power of a spoken word. Um, so it's really important intercession to intercession when we speak it out to believe that it's going forth in power and authority of Christ. And that it's actually doing something. And that what it's doing has eternal consequence, actually. Um, let me find there. Is this making sense so far? So, okay. Oh, like, people, are, someone can be like, hold up, like, if it's not. <laughs> um, let me go to so intercession. Let me see. Actually, so intercession, by the way, for the, uh, the, the root word of intercession is this word, this term paga, which it's a really interesting term because when you uh, kind of unpack what it means in, uh, in Hebrew, um, it means things like, hold on, let me find the. It means to encounter or to meet, to join, to reach, to entreat, to influence, to make intercession, to hit the mark, to strike, to make the attack. 
So it's a really interesting term. There's a really clear connotation there of like making a physical impact um, of like something happens when we speak it forth and you strike or you hit something um, and it, there's, there's a real like action to it, to that word. It's the same word that's used um, when it talks about Jesus making intercession for the transgressors and himself being the intercessor. It's that same term. It's the same term when I talked about Isaiah when God was, was grieved when he saw no one to intercede for the land. That's the same term. It's also the same um, root word used, uh, I can't remember which passage, but uh, basically when it talks about like throughout the scripture, if people are usually meeting or making physical t- contact, Paga is a root word used a lot of the time. So there's, I think that's a really beautiful image of intercession because it's like this, the image I get when I inter- intercede, right, is I'm meeting the heart of God. I'm, I'm meeting him where he is, right? He is in the glory zone, third heaven. By the way, third heaven, for those, like, third heaven, uh, it's kind of, uh, John talks about someone he knew being taken up to the third heaven, which is like the glory realm where the Lord dwells, where his throne is. But by inference, then you can, make, uh, you can infer there's a first and second heaven. Um, but anyhow, third heaven perspective is where we want to be, where we want to pray for, pray from. Um, so I imagine, like, in intercession, I am going to meet with God, and I want to join with what his heart and his mind, what he's feeling, what he's feeling, what he's thinking, and then from that place, shoot out his word like an arrow and make sure it hits its mark, right? Um, there's an intercession... We, it says that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective, or in some translations, they availeth much. So part of it, one of the key things in how to intercede effectively is we must have faith. We must believe that our prayers, that they're powerful and effective, that they will hit their mark, that, they, that our voice matters to God, um, and that what we're doing, it actually makes an impact. And faith is... I guess we'd just say it's like currency of heaven, right? It says like without faith, is it is impossible to please God. And faith, faith is required because, it, again, it has to do with the unseen realm. The fact that I can't say like, by the, by the grace of God, I have been able to see some prayers I've prayed answered, but there may be times, a lot of times, when I won't see it. Um, and I won't see it maybe till after I pass. I mean, I won't see it because it also talks, Hebrews 11 is like the faith hall of fame, right? When you read um, Hebrews 11, it talks about, you know, faith is evidence of things not seen, uh, uh, conviction of things hoped for. And it had then goes through this like list of all these great heroes of faith um, and what happened. But at the very end of it, it says, and yet all of them did not see what was promised. But it's, it's really hopeful to me because it says basically it's like their faith, we're standing upon their faith and that their faith won't be complete until we join in with it. So there's this beautiful picture of even, like, maybe their prayers have been prayed before my time that I am, like, sowing into, and we won't see the completion maybe until Jesus returns. There may be some prayers that God has called to pray that are like that. Um, but whether or not we see it, I don't think... I want to pray with the faith that I will see it, but even if I don't, I don't want that to prevent me from praying. All right, and I want to believe that they make an impact. Uh, let's see. Um, with respect to intercession and prayer, what exactly are we doing? So I like to think of it in terms of three H's. Um, when we intercede, we can move the heart of God, we can move the hand of God, and we can move the hosts of God. Right? If you go back to what I was saying about the Lord of hosts, I'm, 
I don't understand completely like angels and hosts, right? I think that's a mystery. All I know is what it says, the Bible says, and that angels carry out his will, his hosts carry out his, no, angels carry out his commands, hosts carry out his will, which is also defined as his pleasure. Um, and I love that I did that. And one of, the, one of my favorite prayers to pray is for God, do as you will. Do what pleases you, because I know what pleases you is good. Um, and so when we pray, moving the heart of God, um, there's evidence, there's just so many, I love the stories in the Bible of like, for example, Abraham, right, negotiating with God for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, it's like, it's so interesting. It's like, God, weren't you going to do what you were going to do? But it's like, you know, you can actually, you can negotiate with God. I'm not saying y'all strike a deal so you can pass your test or whatever, <laughs> but like, you, you, we can, but the... What matters is that, that, that it's birthed from that place of intimacy, right? All this is birthed from this place where, Lord, I, I know you. I know your heart. I know you know me. You love me. You love the world around me. Um, and I know that I can trust you and I can approach you that way. I can negotiate with you. I can plead for, like, this city or these people in that way. Um, so moving the heart of God. Um, and it's... I don't fully understand this either, but yeah, we can change his mind, right? There, it's interesting, there, all throughout scripture, like it says, like God changes mind, where he relented. He was going to bring about judgment as he rightfully should have in certain cases, but then he relented. Uh, someone, like whether it was Moses, Abraham, um, Isaiah, like changed his mind, right? So we can, we can have that influence too. Um, it says like, Elijah is one of the Old Testament prophets, right? And when he prayed, it didn't rain for three and a half years. I'm like, that's, for me, what, that's, what that does for me is like that level of intimacy that I, Elijah had with God and that level of trust that he had with God where it's like, God, like you would, that's just crazy to me. And like, I want that. But then it says, Elijah, that we have the same nature as Elijah, that he didn't have somehow a different spirit than we did, but it says, like, we have the same nature as Elijah, so we can expect to pray prayers like that as well, that we can expect to move the heart of God as well, um, that we can have that kind of impact on God. Moving the hand of God also, right? It, uh, all throughout Scripture, it talks about there's, like, the mighty arm of God, the right hand of God, the left hand of God, which all symbolize different things that I can't get into right now. I could probably write a whole sermon about that, but different things. God is so intentional when he writes his word, right? His, like, the right hand of God means something. The, the mighty arm, his outstretched arm, the left hand anointing. Like, all these things, they mean different things. But basically, it's him acting. He will act. Um, not that he's dormant, but I think he's looking for people who will partner with him. Right? I think he's looking for people who will be co-heirs with Christ. Um, I think he's looking for people that he can raise up um, to steward the land around us, take dominion in the land around us. And so we can move his hand, be like, you know, and get him to move in an area. Of, like we see, like we're praying for, uh, and you know that the will of God is one thing, but it's not being done. We can continue to pray and intercede for his will to be done, for him to move. Um, well, let's see. There's a, there's a few description here, descriptions that Jesus talks about intercession that I, that I really, really love. Um, it says in uh, hold on a second. In Mark, it says um, when he's talking to the disciples, he says, "Have faith in God." 
Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe you have received them and they will be granted you. I know this is something that actually um, I and maybe some of us struggle with because, I mean, that's a, that's a lot to say that if we believe uh, all things for which I pray and ask, if I believe I receive them, that, that I have them. And I know that some people have probably been hurt, disappointed because they're like, God, like I believe, but I didn't receive it. But I will, I'm going to address that a little bit later. Um, but essentially here what I want us to get is that, again, that faith is a really important perspective with which to pray and that we must believe that we must not, we can't actually believe that we can move the heart and hand of God um, and the host of God, which I'm not, um, I don't think we as human beings can like command and charge his host and angels, but we can ask God to command his angels and his host for us because it says in scripture that he commands or charges his angels concerning us. Um, and they're all under God's command, not my command. But I can beseech, I can petition, I can ask the Lord. Because the battle is happening, it's literally angels and demons. Um, and so, and those things influence. It says whatever we bind and, and loose in heaven will be bound and loose on earth. What that essentially means, binding and loosing is something you, when you speak, right? When you bind something, you bind, say, like a, bind meaning like you tie up or you bind or you... Essentially, that's what it means you tie up and stuff. Loose meaning like you release. So we can bind with our lips and with what we speak, what we pray. We can bind things like, uh, like demonic activity or bind, I don't know, a certain spirit or something. But what we bind there will be made manifest here, right? And so, again, the battle, there literally is angels and demons, the most epic battle, eternal battle. Um, and we can, I guess you can, in a way, you could, say you could facilitate the battle through your prayers, um, in the book of Daniel, right, um, it talks about, I think, was it Gabriel the angel or was it Michael? I think it was Gabriel the angel, right, that was held up for 30 days uh, by, uh, by the enemy, by uh, the, the prince of Persia, they say, which is a synonym, synonym for um, like a demon, essentially. But then when Daniel prayed, it facilitated Gabriel to be able to fight and to win and then to therefore come to the aid of or to come meet with Daniel, and so there's evidence of activity, what happens with respect to praying and, and invoking or not invoking, but like moving the hand of God to charge angels and hosts with respect to the battle and stuff. Another thing that we do when we intercede, um, I'm not going to go through all of this because there's a lot of roles we could take, um, but we negotiate with God. We A lot of times in intercession, you actually just uh, remind God what he already said. Uh, right? It's so a lot of times um, in scripture, I love they'll say like, but God, you said you made this promise. It's not like God forgot, right? I, <laughs> I actually think that when I, because I do all the time, I will tell God what he told me. It's more because I need to remember, right? I need the faith. And so I'm reminding God, really, I'm just reminding myself, <laughs> like, God, you said, you said, you promised. And it's like, but that also builds up faith when I remember, when I recall what he said, and I recall that his, again, his word does not return to him void. Like, God, he always, God says what he means, and he means what he says, right? He doesn't say things flippantly. Like, I might say things flippantly. <laughs> Honestly, I probably do. Like, oh, yeah, sure, that looks good on you. Like, <laughs> but, you know, but, but, but I'm, I'm saying, I'm just saying, I, that's me. Thank God God is not me, right? But God, 
God just, he only says what he means and he means what he says. Like you can, we can trust him in his word. Like when he says something, so, so people are thinking like, that she said that to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but we can trust God, you guys. We can, we can trust him. Um, so yeah, so a lot of times we're repeating back to God what he said and even quoting back scripture to him, um, Everything written in scripture, we can take uh, the things that are promises and blessings to other people we can receive for ourselves. And so we can repeat back and we can pray those things out because, again, his word will not return to him void. It says that it will go forth and accomplish what he set out for it to accomplish. Um, Yeah, and when God speaks, there's just integrity to his word, right? Like he, there's just integrity to it. He's going to stand behind it. It's going to be done. Um, I think sometimes what happens is when we pray, and addressing that situation of, like, what happens when you prayed and you prayed and you don't see it to come to pass. I think one of the things is that I want to exhort us is when we pray, when we intercede. Let's say I've been praying for someone's salvation for a while and I don't see it happen um, for a long time or if maybe never. Um, I think it's letting go of the, of the timeline, right? I think that applies to a lot of things. Um, usually when I'm mad at God, it has to do with timing, <laughs> doesn't really have to do, actually, if I boil it down, usually it's time, right? Like, oh, Lord, I'm supposed to be married by this certain age, right? Oh, Lord, I'm supposed to have kids by this certain age. Oh, Lord, I'm supposed to be in this job at this age. I'm just, like, it's usually with timing. But I think if we, again, step back and look at our lives, not, like, from zero to 80 or 90, but from, from zero to, like, eternity, I don't think timeline will matter that much, um, right? Like, it's like, okay, God, like, I honestly, like, th- this used to offend me, but now I, this is, Lord, I'm not saying I want this for myself, but I'm just saying, I, I, this excites me, the possibility. When it says that Sarah had a baby at 90, no, honestly, it used to offend me. I, I was like, do not even make me a Sarah, Lord. <laughs> like, don't, don't you do it, God. I was like, but, but now Honestly, I'm actually really excited at the possibility. Like, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying, God, you can do what you want. But, but it's like, dang, God, like, that's amazing to me. Because, like, it's like, it's just amazing that, like, again, his word didn't return to him void. He, it was, sure, timing-wise, I think the gap was when he spoke the promise to Abraham. It was, like, 15 plus 25 plus however many years <laughs> until finally Sarah had Isaac. Um, but he made good on his promise, right? Um, and that time in between wasn't wasted. I know that I think God doesn't waste our time, right? Sometimes I think, and I've been guilty of being feeling like God is wasting my time. <laughs> but it's not, God is not like that, right? If he's the author of time, um, he's not going to waste my time. Um, he's not a wasteful God, yeah. Where are they going with this? Oh, yeah, so, so faith is important. Um, um, so, yeah, we can repeat back to God what he has said to us. Um, we're ambassadors. Sometimes when we're praying, we're, we're speaking on behalf of, like, a people, our family, our friends, our schools, our cities, our nations who cannot speak for themselves. Uh, we're representing the kingdom of God um, and speaking on their behalf when they can't pray, for example. Um, it says in, I think, First or Second Chronicles, right? It says, well, my people will come to me and, and fast and pray, then I will heal their land. Um, I think the, another important part of intercession is that is the taking of ownership of things, 
Um, another thing is, again, if the enemy's goal, right, is to separate. The enemy is always trying to divide and conquer. Just separate everyone from everything. Separate us from each other. Separate us from God. Separate us from, the, like, just separation because you can divide and conquer. That's a warfare tactic, right? But then in intercession, it's ownership, it's, it's about, like, you when you, quote, unquote, stand in the gap and you want to take ownership over, you want to cover, you want to embrace a people, a land, a city. Like, in the city of Berkeley, right, like, some, I've heard many times, and I've said it myself, like, oh, Lord, why am I called here? Like, I didn't go to school here. Like, I don't have a heart for the city, et cetera, et cetera. But God, but we're here for a reason. I know I'm here for a reason, and I know God called me here, so there's a reason why I'm here. And I know this city is like, God loves this city. He loves this city. He loves this campus. And in intercession, I can take on again. I take on, I join with God's heart. God, what is your heart for the city? What is your heart for the campus? I want your heart. I don't want to feel what I feel. I want to feel what you feel. I want to think what you think. And then let me embrace, let me cover the city and this campus with your prayers, with your intercession. And so intercession, intercession connects us, right? Instead of, instead of going along with enemies, plan to divide and conquer, just separate, separate, separate. Intercession connects us to the heart of God and to, to the things around us and the people around us. Um, and we can, yeah, embrace those around us. Uh, let's see. Um, also in intercession, uh, I spoke of binding and loosing. Again, you can release blessing. Again, with our, the power of life and death is in the tongue. We curse or we can bless. Um, and if sometimes I don't know how to pray, I just release blessing. I release, like, the fruits of the, the Holy Spirit. Uh, just release blessing if I don't know what to pray. And those things, again, uh, can shift things in heaven that we can see then shift on earth. So, I, you know, I didn't bring my phone with me. What time is it? Am I? I want to. Oh, okay. Oh, good. So I kind of want to leave us with a couple of things, and then I want to do something together. This is uh, in Luke, uh, in Luke 11 and in Luke 18. I want to end there. Those two stories in Luke, where Jesus uh, shares these parables, which I think are such great parables and uh, lessons from him with respect to intercession and what, 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 how to do it or what, it, the principle behind it. Um, in Luke 11, I don't know if it's going to be posted there. Okay. Um, in Luke 11, I'll just read it to you if it doesn't get... Um, so Luke 11, 5 to 10. Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me. and I have no food to offer him. Suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. So there I, so in both of these parables, by the way, uh, Jesus often speaks, and I think the term is hyperbole, where he like exaggerate a point to make the point. Um, and so the point, when he describes, you know, the friend that's inside who even because of friendship, he's like, I'm not getting up for you, bro. Like, leave me alone. 
But it says, because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And so there, I, the exhortation there, I feel like Jesus is saying, that's how you can approach me. Like, and I'm not like the friend, the homie that's inside that doesn't want to get up. <laughs> like, I'm the one that's like always attentive. He's looking, right? He says his eyes are searching to and fro. And he's looking for someone to intercede. He's astonished when someone is not interceding. He's waiting for someone. Like, just ask me. Like, I'm, I'm waiting. Like, I want someone ask me. Someone speak my language, you know? Um, and then it says he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And in Luke uh, 18, another parable Jesus spoke is, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city. She kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And that's what I want to leave us with. Is I, what I want to do to close is, I think this parable, again, demonstrates it's, he's speaking an exaggeration. Like, God is, again, he's not like this unrighteous judge. He is a righteous God and a righteous judge. Um, and he's looking for people, right, who cry out to him, and he'll respond to their cries. And he will bring about justice for them quickly. He will not delay. But then it ends when Jesus says, like, will the Son of Man, will Jesus find faith on this earth? And I think what, what I want to do is to invite people, to invite us into asking God for more faith. It says, like, in the scripture, uh, we all receive, like, a gift and a measure of faith, but we can also ask for more faith. The disciple asked the Lord, like, increase our faith, increase our faith. And I think God is really pleased because um, it says, that, again, that we, without faith it is impossible to please God. Um, and we can ask him for more faith. We can ask him, like, God, like, maybe uh, just like that parable uh, where the man said to Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief, right? It's like, it wasn't like his belief was perfect, but he's like, I believe essentially what I can believe in, but with this unbelief, help me with that. And what I want to do is I, I want the Lord, when he looks upon this house and upon us, he, when he, he stops and he's like, I found a people who believe me, who trust me. I want a people who, who prays like unabashedly unashamedly asking for stupid things. Like, I want, I mean, I, I was like, God, I want my faith to be offensive, both in the offense, but also offensive. Like, like, I want people to laugh at me for what I pray for. You know what I mean? Like, I want people to be like, she believed God for what? I'm serious. I, I, that's been my prayer for years. Like, God, like, I want my prayers to be offensive. Like, that they are on the offensive, on, by the way, when it says, this is M. Chan. I'm going to credit M. Chan. She, like, we were praying one time, and she, we were praying about for the church. And, she, and it says in Scripture, when Jesus says to Peter, like, upon my rock I will build this church, and the gate of haze will not overpower it or, or overcome it. I never thought about the fact that he's talking about the church and the offense there. I used to think that the picture I would have in my mind when Jesus said that was like, we're on the defense, and like, the armies of hell are coming at us. And we have to do all we can to not let them charge into our gates. But actually, it's the other way around. 
He says, and the gates of Haiti will not over, overpower you, meaning like we're coming at it. <laughs> and like they're not going to be able to stand against us. And so I want my prayers to be like both on the offense. I'm coming for you, freaking devil. But at the same time, like, but like also offensive. Like, Lord, I believed you for ridiculous things. Like, I want him when he looks upon me and this house, like he's like, man, like I found faith here. I found faith here. I found, I found a sound that I, was look, that I was listening for. You know, I found people that speak my language. And so... Um, I know we're, I know we're not going to have more worship, but if, if there's music, we could maybe cue, because I want to ask people, if, you're, if you want uh, more faith, if you want to stand and raise your hands, I want to pray over you guys, and then uh, I'll hand it over after that to, uh, to Bethany and Kevin to close us up. So I know if you, yeah, if you want more faith, I do, <laughs> um, I just invite you guys to stand and to just receive, and I'll pray over us. Uh, yes, God. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I... Th- Whoa. This is kind of... <laughs> um, is this better? Okay. Lord, I just thank you for every person who is here, standing or not. And Lord, I just ask, God, that you would increase our faith, God. God, I ask, and I, I pray right now for any hearts that have been disappointed or discouraged because... Maybe we did believe you for great things. You know, maybe we did believe you for lofty things, and we didn't yet see them come to pass. But, Lord, I'm believing for them, and, God, I'm, we, and even right now, I just ask that you would pour out, Lord, God, a greater measure of trust in you again, that you'd rebuild bridges that have been broken. God, that you'd rebuild the breaches of trust that have been broken, God, and that you would remind us again of who you are, God. God, you said one thing about the devil's nature, but you said about your own nature that you are faithful. You cannot deny yourself. This is your nature, God. And so, Lord, even if we have been faithless, if we're disappointed or discouraged, if we've doubted, that almost doesn't matter because, Lord, you are faithful, and we can trust you. And so when we pray and when we ask, we can believe. It even says in Scripture that, that, Lord, it says that we know that you've heard our prayers. We can be assured that we've received what we asked for. And that's crazy to me, God. But, Lord, I pray that we would have that kind of faith, Lord, that as soon as we know that you've heard our prayers, we have what we asked for. God, I ask that you pour out this kind of faith in us, God. I ask that you would corporately raise our expectation of you, God, and remind us again of who you are, God. And again, Lord, I pray you would heal hearts that have been disappointed because that's a real thing, God. Um, yeah, Holy Spirit, pray that you come and touch hearts. Um, and I thank you, God. I thank you, God, that you are going to pour out your spirit, that you are going to pour out your faith in us in a greater measure. Um, and I just pray uh, that it would be evidence, God, I just pray for joyful expectation of the things to come and joyful expectation of what you will do, God. You're, you're just, you're too good, God. You're too, too good, God. Um, yeah, thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hello. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy, so much. I feel like your speaking was just like, fire, fire, fire. <laughs> um, as she was um, speaking, I felt like there was like a couple of situations that popped into mind. Um, 
First of all, yeah, feel free to be seated. Don't don't feel like you have to stand for this. <laughs> I really felt like the love of the Lord. He's just like looking down at us and I can feel his love wanting to come and intersect each one of you personally wherever you are. So, I feel like for some of us uh we can hear Nancy's message about all the different roles of intercession and really get on fire for it and be like, I'm not wearing spiky heels today, but man, I just want to like kick down the doors of Hades and go forth and pray for everything of areas of injustice. And if that's you, like she already prayed for you and received the greater faith to do these things. Um, but I feel like there's a couple of other situations you might find yourself in today. Um, one of them Nancy touched on really well of, of hoping for things I feel like the Lord wants to breathe hope back into situations where you've like really invested your heart into it and you've really cared, even in like a great way of bringing it before the Lord and you've encountered disappointment, whether it's because of timeline or because you just like felt like you gave it your all and there's nothing left. left. And in that situation, I feel like the Lord is saying, give that burden to me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and you were not meant to carry something that will crush you. I was crushed, so you will not have to carry it. But he's, with him carrying the burden, your heart will be released to hope again into those situations and take up this mantle that Nancy was talking about of intercession powerfully over those areas again. The third situation that kind of came to my mind was inspired by Erin O, who is a wonderful leader in this house, and she gave a sermon on imagination If you're someone who's sitting today in these pews and you're like, whoa, I just walked into church. You guys are talking about like this huge war that's going on. I have no idea what's going on. I'm very confused right now. Um, I'd encourage you to think about in your times of free thinking, where does your imagination go to? Oftentimes, because we're very creative people, our imagination will go to where we're partnering with. So if you find like... I used to pride myself in being prepared for every situation. And I feel like part of that was because I would let my imagination run through contingency plans for every single thing that could possibly ever go wrong. And I had band-aids and I had safety pins and I got you water and snacks all the time. But if you're someone who always kind of like thinks towards the worst case scenario and finds depression and anxiety, I would say that this is proof that we are creative beings created by God and that we actually are, whether we know it or not, engaging in the spiritual world. So if you feel overwhelmed by that, I would encourage you, come up and get prayer if you're comfortable with that. If not, you can say this quiet prayer in your heart and say, God, please show me that you're real. So with that, I would like to bless you all. If any of those situations really spoke to your heart, we're going to have altar ministers up here for prayer. And if not, or if you just want to go about your day, be blessed and church is dismissed.